Over the last two decades, I've been in an insatiable quest to learn everything I can about leadership. What makes the best leaders so good? After running companies small and large over the last 20 years, today, I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo. I'm your host, and I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this very topic and what makes the best leader so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. Hey there, leaders of tomorrow. I think you're going to love my guest today. This is a guy who... Uh, a lot of energy and just crushing it, uh, running a couple of companies, uh, 97 displays, what we talked about. Uh, but he is young guy, 32 years old, uh, learned a ton. And the things that he shared, listen closely to the things he talks about, about building the culture. And you can get a really clear vision of what it's like to be part of his organization. Things like the motivation interview that he does, the daily standups, really some unique stuff. I do not see... 98% of companies do the stuff that he talks about, and it is incredibly valuable. Uh, so listen, take some action on this. I think you're going to love it. All right, here's Houston Goodwin. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Laredo, your host. I've got a great guest for you today. I've got Houston Goodwin, who's the president of 97 Display. Houston, welcome to the show. Perfect. Thanks so much. Excited uh, to be on. Yeah, me too. I, I I got a chance and it was interesting because your your website, I think, says a lot about what your leadership style is and your beliefs in leadership. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But your website, your homepage talks a lot about kind of the, I, what I took from it was a lot about the culture of mm -hmm. your organization. Is that something that is deliberate? I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about your view on the culture of an organization. Yeah, so uh, about two and a half years ago, we adopted the uh, EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, as a model. It's like a methodology of how to run businesses, um, and we've uh, been doing that. It's been really great. And one thing that we worked through with that is coming up with obviously values for the company and like a you know core focus or mission statement. You know, people call it. And I've been a part of companies before where you know, values are just aspirational little like quotes that are like you know posters on a wall that you know is is nice to have. But really, what we decided was. We wanted to make values that was really like what we reeked of is how we said it. Like, who are we? Like, what is our DNA? Um, so that way, as we're going through growth and we're adding people, we don't lose our identity where, you know, one day you wake up and you have more people that work here after we put the values into place than work here before the values put into place. Um, and so, yeah, we work really hard. We came up with all of our values and we talk about them every single day. Uh, we do, we do standups every day in the morning. And at the end we do like bucket fills where people, uh, give someone a shout out on the team, but they have to tie it back to a value and how they showed that value really well. So we're really big on people sticking to the values and, um, you know, we hire by those values and we fire by those values. So that's, those are as important as production to us in the company to keep, to keep us moving forward. I love it. So you just said a ton and I want to dive into some of this. So tell me about the daily, the stand up. Is that what you call it? What is that exactly? And how does that work? So it changes some people like, you know, some people have different pains on uh, like meeting every day and doing standups, but I'm a big fan of it. My background in sales and uh, what is funny, we do a, a momentum score because I think momentum and like direction of a company is so important. So every week we uh, send our leaders of the company out a little survey, like what was the momentum this week? And that's just like a gut feeling. And what we find is every time we have daily meetings, they're like 15 minutes to start the day. We all get around. 
we just review numbers and then we do shout outs, the momentum always seems to be higher. So I kind of joke with people anytime we talk about, well, we have a lot of meetings. It's like, cool, as soon as the momentum stays where it's at and we don't have those meetings, we don't need to meet. We don't want to have meetings for meeting sake, but they serve a purpose and we can measure it. Uh, and so we take turns. So it's not like me leading or my CEO leading um, every day. So we have different people lead it and it just kind of goes through where we're at. Uh, and then we have like weekly goals and we hit them, we do like prizes. Like I'm actually getting pied in the face with a, a cream pie tomorrow morning in downtown on, on main street. Uh, Cause that was one of the prizes if we hit this big goal. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and so, so we, you know, we try to make it a little fun, but then at the end we just do bucket fills, which is give someone a shout out on your team or off your team. That's done something really well that you appreciate, whether it was for you or you saw them like unload the dishwasher when no one was looking and we needed, you know, the kitchen was backed up and they spent 20 minutes and cleaned the kitchen, whatever. Um, but we always ask them to tie it to a value. Um, mm-hmm. so that way what we're doing is hopefully everyone in the company, if you went up to them on, on the street and asked what the values were of the company, they could tell you at least a handful, which I think is a metric most companies uh, wouldn't do because they know they have values, but they're like aspirational like sayings and it's not anything that is like in the DNA of the actual company. Yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, I, that's outstanding. And I can already get a feel for your company, the culture of the organization. And that's, that's very different. I mean, that's very unique. I've talked to leaders and business owners all over the, in every industry and all over the globe. Very few of them do something like that. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that and in the power of momentum. What is that? You've seen the difference between not doing it and doing it. Granted, you know, you might have some people that say, well, I don't want to meet every day. But I mean, help the leaders that are listening understand that a little more. What what really is the tangible difference that you see and feel, uh, feel? And what does that actually translate to for an organization like yours? Yeah. So I would say one of the reasons why most people fail, and it was definitely a roadblock for us was in the transition. It was hard because a lot of, especially small organizations, you know, we have under 50 employees. So you get organizational whiplash where you're like, Hey, let's try this trend or this meeting style. Then let's go do this. And so when we invested in doing EOS, we said, this is what we're sticking with. Um, We're going to stick with it long-term. And this means things like we're changing some things up. Like we do like performance reviews are all part of it is value-based, right? And we have a plus, a plus minus and a minus. And it's like, if you have minuses, you have 30 days to get those. We have like a, you know, standard grading system. It's like, if you're doing everything well, but you're not fitting our values and everyone says like you are negative on these two values, like you got 30 days to fix it or you're you're out. Um, And luckily we don't have any of those issues now, but we went through a really rough transition, right? We actually went through like turnover from employees because like, it was also like during COVID. And so virtual jobs in the tech space were abundant. And so we had, you know, a lot of people say, I'm not really around for this. So it's very hard. Um, but as we stuck with them, we got through year one and we got into year two. I remember last October, we did a, a yearly offsite to do our annual planning. And that's like in our, in our like cadence of meetings. So we did two days. We all drove down to Charlotte. I got everyone hotels, you know, we did dinners out and we went to top off and did a bunch of fun things, but then we got to the meeting room and we're talking about where we want to go. And it was the first time that I've ever worked with a company where it's like every single person here knows where we're going and is on board to row in the same direction and shares the same values as I do. And so when you have that, it's like, I told them, it's like, this is a superpower. Like most companies, it's hard to get here, but now that we're here, we're going to be able to grow and hit goals and give opportunities and do all these fun things that we wouldn't be able to do without putting in that hard work. But we're just like, it's like delayed gratification. Cause certainly the first year of implementing it, there wasn't a lot of gratification. It was a lot of hardship. So, Oh, this person's not here for it. You know, we're going to have to 
exit with this person because they're not buying, you know, they're not buying into the system or that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at our offsite last October, it was like a really cool fruition of like, man, it's so much easier for me to do my job. I actually um, was talking to you earlier. Like I've been able to take over another company now. And the only reason I've been able to do that is because my team here all is rowing in the same direction. We know where we're going and how we're getting there. And there's no like, I mean, there's obviously conflict just like in any workplace, but there's no like serious things where it's like, we're all about the vision. We're all going in the same direction and we're all doing it in the same way, which aligns with our values, um, which has been really awesome for us. That's great. I've got to assume that somebody that's part of that organization feels it's just a level of trust and, and loyalty because, and, and really kind of a feeling of security, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So many workplaces where that's not the case. Somebody is really kind of in the mindset of protecting their job or uh, trying to uh, ensure that, you know, there's a, the, or the spotlight on them so that, you know, everybody's fighting for their own kind of space. Right. In your organization, it sounds like there's none of that or very little of that. And it's a lot, I'm sure, a lot more teamwork too that goes in that as a result. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a lot of teamwork. And then it's a lot of like, part of it is we're, we're at the advantage of being like a high growth, like smaller companies. So there's a lot of opportunities that pop up. So like, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, we made on our roadmap that we wanted to create a group that owns three companies. And to do that, a lot of things that we didn't know how was going to happen needed to happen. But also that meant when that happens, like my job's up for grabs. Right. And so now in the last month, we've been able to take over one more company, which is helping us form that group. And so over the next year, like my job is up for grabs at 97, as I kind of oversee, you know, all the companies as we grow. And so part of it is casting the vision and executing on that vision mm-hmm. and showing people like, Hey, it may be, you know, a year from now or two years from now, but we know this is where you want to go. Uh, oh, and another really helpful tool not to get off on a tangent is every employee we do uh, is called a motivation interview. So I sit them down and go, let's pretend five years from now or three years from now, we're getting a beer and I ask you how the last few years have been. And you go, man, it's been the best three years I've ever had in my life. So then we go through this about a two hour exercise of what would need to happen to make that a true statement. And it's holistically, right? So it's work, it's finances. And then those are the two I give them. And then I ask them for two. So that could be like physical health or family or relationships or religion or whatever. So then what we're doing is we know where they need to go to be the best version of themselves. And we want their career to be seen as a vehicle to help get them there. And so then what we do is we take that and we go, we do this before we hire anyone as well to make sure that the job they're taking aligns with where they want to go so they can be happy long-term. Um, but then we just celebrate things like, you know, we have, we're, we're all in our like, you know, early thirties, late twenties. So it's like paying off college debt, paying off credit cards, like, you know, being financially secure, like it's a big thing we share. And it's really fun because sometimes people start working with us and they're not used to talking about that. And they're like, they hear all these people talk about how they paid off their credit card debt or are getting debt free. And they're like, I want to do that. And I don't know how, and I've never talked to anyone about that. And it's like, cool. How much debt do you have? And for some people, you know, that's like taboo, but with our culture, it's just like, Hey, here's where we're at. Someone just bought their first rental property, you know? So now they're going to teach a class on how to buy rental properties and what their experience is for people who are interested in that. So we try to like, love it it holistically. So you're, you're bringing in the personal life into the work life and, and that that's incredible. I mean, think about how powerful that is for somebody that's part of that organization. And, and what you understand is that 
when you know somebody's goals and what they're trying to tr- trying to do, both personally and professionally, it's easier for you to help them get there. Yeah. And and one happens, you know, it's not like it works in a silo where it's just they're successful in work and everything's falling apart personally. Very rarely is that the case. Right. Um, I, I, I first of all, I love that. I absolutely love what you're talking about. What about how does that change how you bring in, or how has this changed how you bring people into the organization? Yeah. So our hiring process is really long. Um, uh, and, and that's been really hard. And we've actually, this has been very challenging specifically over the last year because people get hired so fast now, cause there's such a shortage in the tech space. And so, um, and so we've held our line pretty well, but you know, like for instance, that, that motivation interview we do with every single person before they're hired, the, where, where you want to be in five years and what that looks like. You know, and that can take an hour and a half, two hours, depending on, you know, how deep that you go with that. And that's, you know, one of six interviews that we do. So it's probably like, you know, four to six hours of interviews that we do with people um, before we actually like invite them, you know, into the team and bring them on. And then we're just like super, we're open and honest company is like our, our motto. And so if you're not doing something well, like we just are super upfront and let you know, and it's not like a, to get you in trouble. It's just a, Hey, this is what we expect. And this is the level that you agree to. And this is what we're doing. And that could be production or that could be values or how you're showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for instance, if someone's showing up late, we don't go like, we want you to be on time. Like, you know, clock in, clock out. It's like, Hey, whatever values is like, do us right now. It's easy. Like what's stopping you from being in on time? Like, is it because it's easier for you? Do you have something actually going on in your life where we need to talk about like an augmented schedule for a season, mm-hmm. but really it's the, we're trying to get to the root, not the fruit. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people it's like, Hey, figure out how to get here 10 minutes earlier. Cause it's very annoying. Being on time is very like important to me. Um, but then people can leave whenever they want. Like that's our culture. Like when you're done with work, you don't have to twirl your thumbs. There's no clock out. Like if you're done at four 30 one day or seven, one day, you just work till you're done and then leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a very flex schedule, but if you're working that day, I really like you to be on time. And I try to like, let people know why that's important and tie it to the values. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we've given exceptions and seasons, but it's a lot for some people to, to be brought in. That's why a lot of times it's better. It's easier for us to acclimate younger people straight out of college. Cause they don't have like a whole predisposition of what work is. And so they're like more idealistic and hopeful. And so it's easier for us to be like, Hey, cool take all those and let us show you how to plug it in rather than, um, you know, we have several people that, you know, had careers before and one person has, you know, had a 30 year career and now works here. Um, so they have interesting perspectives, but sometimes you carry baggage from old jobs mm-hmm. and it's hard to like, those people, it takes a little longer to open up sometimes. Cause it's like, Hey, I know what you're saying, but I also have 20 years of experience to say, this isn't how workplaces behave. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder for me to like jump in full and trust that. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, it sounds like you're very candid, very transparent, very open. There's a lot of communication. Uh, I want to go back for one minute to the motivation interview. Uh, And again, for leaders that are listening to this saying, wow, that's just that's fantastic. And I don't do that. Um, What what happens after you do that motivation interview? I mean, what how do you make sure that's not just a one and done conversation and that that actually lives and carries on? What do do you? Yeah. So in an ideal world, and when we were a smaller team, we did better at this um, at the yearly review. So uh, we do the motivation interviews on like the sticky white pads. So then you keep them, you write their name on it. And in an ideal world, and we're not a hundred percent of this every year, you kind of bring that out and go, Hey, we're one year closer. How's it going? Like, let's go through this. Like you said, you wanted to 
you know, be doing this specifically with job and then you can check in personally, like said, you wanted to work out, you know, a bunch or, you know, do a triathlon or whatever, like, are you making progress towards that? And you can do check-ins, but, um, we, we honestly don't do a great job with that because as you get, as we're getting bigger and hiring more people, I just, you know, in an ideal world, I would love to do that with everybody, but now I can't. Um, and so part of it is just keeping it in the conversation and letting people know, like, one of the things I tell my staff now is like, man, I would love to like be intentional on a weekly basis and sit down with every single one of you guys to like check in and see how things are going. The reality is I just, I'm going to miss out on that, but there's never a day or a week that goes by where I'm not available for that. And I would love for you to come talk to me about that. If you have questions about culture, where we're headed as a company or how you fit in, um, or like I have two meetings this week for people that uh, just want to talk about their path in the company over the next couple of years. Cause it's been a while since we checked in on that, but they were proactive about reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's kind of what and it's probably not the best solution, but that's my solution is, you know, I always tell people we start at eight 30, I get in at seven 30. So like, there's never a day where seven 30 to eight 30 isn't for you if you need it. Mm-hmm. So you, you may have to sacrifice getting in a little early. You can leave whatever, you know, early, but mm-hmm even if I have a packed day, 7.30 to 8.30, I'm here. And if you want to come in and talk about brainstorm a problem you're having or talk about an idea you have or talk about where you want to go in the company or, or just like catch up with me, you always have that, even if I have a packed day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people take advantage of that better than others, but that's like my best solution so far of like, I can't proactively be doing this on a super regular cadence, maybe like once a quarter. Um, but I just try to be, I remind people in meetings all the time, like, use my calendar. Like you can come to me. I love doing this, you know, for people who find a lot of value in it. And so then I end up disproportionately spending my time with certain staff that take advantage of that. I love it. Well, uh, you're, you're obviously a people developer. You've got a great team and you've got leaders that you're developing and ultimately getting to your role and maybe even beyond. Uh, what traits do you admire the most in leaders? What do you look for? Um, I mean, the, the three things that I think the, the three things for leaders is they got to be coachable. So this is, uh, this is, this was very like relevant to me when I was like, I'm 32 now. So I'm still, you know, young in a relative scale, but in my early twenties, it was hard. I had to learn a lot of hard lessons to learn why being coachable. Cause you think, you know, everything when you have success. Um, and so, especially for younger people, like when they're crushing a role or doing something, being coachable to understand, Hey, I don't know what I don't know, right. I'm 23 or 25 and I have, my brain is even fully developed. Right. So it's like, you gotta be coachable. Uh, you gotta work hard and you gotta, there's like for at different levels of jobs, there's like certain competencies required. So whether that's like natural abilities or going to learn a skill and being like curious, which kind of ties into the coachable thing. But honestly, I think that if you, if you have any blank slate person, whether they're far in their career and they want to start developing a new skill or become a leader for the first time or someone right out of college, they're super coachable and they're willing to work their butt off and they are willing to figure out where they're not, where their blind spots are in their like knowledge and go do research and, and learn. And just like, that's their hobby is, you know, developing these skills. Like you can take those people from zero to, to running a company very, very quickly. Excellent. I love it. There's so much more I want to ask you. I know we're, we're almost out of time here. So let me, let me leave you or ask you to leave the audience with a couple of thoughts. One is, um, You've seen a lot of different styles of leadership, I'm sure. You have a certain style. You've Many, many people have their own unique style. 
Is there a style of leadership that you feel is more effective than others? A personality style or certain type of style? Uh, that's first question. I got another follow up after that. So I would say, uh, on, like, and I'm still on this obviously as well, but like on a journey to leadership, you gotta, it's all about working on yourself. Like that's the answer to everything. Like, so like you said, some people's jobs are great, but the rest of their life sucks. It's like, that's why I work out. Right. That's why I try to eat healthy. That's why I do things. Cause I want to be a holistic person that people want to follow. And it's kind of like your vibe attracts your tribe. So anytime that we're having a problem, um, so I, I've always had, you know, I've had a coach for five years and anytime we have a problem, the first question they ask is like, let's hold the mirror up. If people are showing up late or they're, you know, or they're not exhibiting this value or something, why are they doing that? And what is it about you and your personality or your leadership style that's allowing that to happen? You know, so you always like look at a mirror for yourself. And so the best leadership style for me is like authentic. So like, and that's why I think different people have different ceilings and everyone has the ability to be a leader, but you can't copy John Maxwell, if you're not John Maxwell, or you can't copy Gary V if you're not Gary V, or you can't copy you if you're not you or me, if you're not me. So you kind of kind of find that style mm-hmm. and then work on yourself. And as you work on yourself, you attract higher caliber people. Um, and I think a lot of leaders try to skip that step and are just like, this is what I expect of people and want these awesome people to follow me, but they're not worth following. Yeah. You know, so it. it's like, you just work on yourself. Last question, then then uh, then we'll wrap up. I know you got to go, but uh, it, the the landscape has changed so much over the last couple of years. When you think about the future and where the best leaders are going to uh, come from, or what they're going to look like, or sound like, or whatnot, what is what is tomorrow's leader? What's most important for leaders now? Saying, "Hey, I really want to be relevant uh, and yeah. and irreplaceable and indispensable in the future." What does that look like? What's what's one thing they should be keeping in mind? I would say being able to first understand that giving someone a good place to work is one of the best things you can do for them holistically and really understand that. And then be able to get people to buy into the fact that having a good place to work is one of the best things they can do for themselves, especially in the, with the new generation coming up and social media and work from home, like jobs are looked at as like a clock in clock out money, you know, way to make money. And that is not a good way to live. Mm -hmm. Love it. Awesome. Houston, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've gained a lot out of it. I know the audience has too. If people want to learn more about you or learn more about 97 Display, uh, how do they do that? Where do they go? Sure. You can find me on pretty much all socials at Houston Like the City, all one word. That's my uh, social tag. And then 97display.com if you want to learn more about the company. Awesome. We'll have all that in the in the uh, show notes as well, the links. Houston, it's been great talking with you. Congrats on all the success you're having. I know you got a lot of success ahead of you, so keep us updated on everything that's going on. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. Thanks all for joining today. As always, like, share, subscribe. Go down below, give a five-star review. And if you have ideas for future guests or content, make sure you send them my way. Thanks for joining, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.